You're listening to Uniquely Beautiful Stories with Heather McIneer, a place for you to find encouragement to fully live your uniquely beautiful life. Hi, friends, and welcome back to the Uniquely Beautiful Stories podcast. I'm your host, Heather McIneer, and I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us again right here each week. We bring you stories of redemption and beauty coming from really hard places in hopes that you will find encouragement to go out and fully live your own uniquely beautiful story. Today, I'm so excited to introduce you to my guests, but before I do, I wanted to let you know that this week's podcast is brought to you by Cedar Creek Dental Associates. If you are in the Oklahoma City metro area looking for quality dental care, be sure to check out their website at okcsmile.com. I promise you will find an amazing staff and top-notch dental care care to keep you smiling for years to come. And now, on to my conversation. I've got a great guest for you today. Her name is Elizabeth Weems. Elizabeth is married to Jacob, and she's mom to Luke, Claire, and Molly. She lives in the Yukon area, and she's the co-owner of Restored Design and Remodeling with her husband. We met about a year ago when her sister, Ashley, introduced us. And honestly, just from the very beginning, I was blown away by Elizabeth's story. This is a story that has God's hand literally all over it, and I'm so excited for you guys to hear it today. Elizabeth, welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I'm so excited for <laughs> our, <too>. our <laughs> listeners to hear your story. Yeah. You know, your story kind of starts young and starts off with a bang. <laughs> yeah, a big bang. <laughs> yes. So let's take our listeners back. Your story starts when you were in high school around the age of 17 yep. when you and Jacob were together. So take us back to that time, how you guys got together, kind of the beginning of your relationship. Junior year of high school. I have known each other since seventh grade. Definitely was crushing on him. I thought it was so cute and funny. And by the end of the year, like that summer, we decided to start dating. And I was so excited. And July, the next month, I found out I was pregnant. Um, Jacob was very supportive. And, you know, we were going to figure this out. He was going to stand by my side. That was pretty much the only plan we had. <laughs> Which know. honestly is so incredible for a yeah. high wow. school guy that you'd known him forever, but you were kind of brand new dating. Oh, it's yeah. not like y'all had been together for yeah. two years. It says so much about his character. Yeah. I mean, really, he didn't have to have that big of a commitment to me. So you guys found out together. Were you together when yes. you found out? Yeah. Yeah, we were. And I told him, I was like, I think I'm pregnant. And so I took a test and what in the world? I mean, you're kind of speechless. And I was like, how are we going to tell our parents? And so that is sort of a crazy story in and of itself (laughs) is how um, my parents found out or my mom specifically. I have two older sisters, Ashley and Katie. And Katie is my middle sister. And we had the same purse. It was this cute little pink purse. And I had grabbed what I thought was my pink purse and was going to hang out over at Jacob's house. Well, my pregnancy tests were in my purse. And why I wouldn't think to double check is beyond (laughs) me. But so she told my mom and was like, I found this. And so I get a text from my mom. And I mean, it was just like, almost like I had died, you know, just like the devastation. Yeah, I mean... My parents, like, all their hopes and dreams for me, mm. you know, like, with your when your kids are young, you think, hey, they're going to go to college, they're going to get jobs, and mm. all these dreams. Well, that could have been over. I mean, they didn't know Jacob really at all, right. you know, so they're thinking, okay, this boy, he's just going to maybe be supportive now, but he's just going to leave, and we mm. have this other family to think about now, mm. and we're probably thinking they have to support me long term, right. you know, so it was really, really hard. Mm. Um, then my oldest sister, Ashley, came home. 
before I did, and she actually thought that I had died because oh they were like, "It's Elizabeth," and cry, everyone's crying, oh and she's like, word. "Do not tell me she's dead." Like anything but that. They're like, "No, she's pregnant." And she was like, "I was relieved that you were just pregnant," <laughs> you know, and that I yeah was in fact alive. So yeah, that was extremely difficult. Was there support at that point, or were they just too devastated to even think about supporting you? Or what was the attitude? What was the vibe you were getting as far as what they wanted you to do about the baby? And kind of after the initial shock. Um, sort of worn off. I told them I wanted to keep the baby mm. and that was kind of my decision and that did not come with support from my parents at first. Mm. You don't know how to parent in that situation. Right. You there's know, no and rule so for there's that. no yeah. And so definitely that seemed like a solution to my problem was just mm. to abort the baby and I just wasn't gonna do that. And mm. so I think, you know, after a little while of just like kind of standing my ground and saying like this is what it's going to happen and I don't want to go this way. And mm. yeah, then definitely we got like a lot of support from our family, but that didn't necessarily translate into our family <laughs> supporting you. like Jacob's family and my family yes. being able to sort of coexist. It was, we were just both kids, you mm, know? Yeah. And so, well, each our each of our families supported us independently. It was sort of meshing that, that can yeah. be complicated. Yeah. Um, so that was definitely tough. It was like, I can take care of them better. They should live here. We'll help support them better and all in wonderful, honestly, intentions. Mm -hmm. um, but it definitely felt like for, I'll speak for me personally, I was just being pulled in all these different ways. Like mm -hmm. with my mom wanting, you know, like that's my daughter. Then Jacob, like, well, like I'm having a baby with her, but he's also like 17. Right. And him trying to find his way into being a man and like, I want to take care of my family, but having no real plan. And Where so did you guys live during that time and um, what did that look like? During the time of my pregnancy, we did live separately. Okay. After Luke was born, we went back and forth from parents' houses. But yeah, at that time we lived separately. And so that definitely had challenges. Mm -hmm. I mean... Um, new things are happening all the time with my body. You could feel yes. a kick. And so Jacob was feeling like I'm missing out on yeah. a lot that's going on. And like, what a beautiful time it is typically for a pregnancy. Like it's wonderful. And so it was definitely just a really different experience. Mm -hmm. so. And did your parents support you guys staying together? Yeah. I mean, it definitely glad. wasn't easy between Jacob and I, he would go like head to head with my mom. And mm. like I said, just like that tug of war. So there was definitely times where I didn't want to be with him. I was just wanting him to fall off the face of the earth <laughs> and I was just going to take this baby and we were going to live our lives and 17 year old stuff in a really extraordinary yes. circumstance. And you guys so. um, finished high school. How did. did that look? That was July, then August. We were supposed to start our senior year of high school. Mm -hmm. So we went to typical high school for a couple months, and we were able to go into alternative school, and we got our high school diplomas after a couple months. Um, so that was definitely a blessing that we were able to have that option and didn't mm -hmm. have to like go through the whole school year with my ever-changing body and, <laughs> yes. you know, questions and looks and stares. And so, yeah. yeah, that was definitely a blessing at that time. Yes. And so you graduated. Luke was born. Yes. At, by that point, was that the plan that we're going to have this baby and we're going to be together and so yeah. raise him like a family? Yes. And so it... What did that look like? Well, Luke's birth is also dramatic. <laughs> um, seems to be a common theme here. Yeah, so it came time for Luke to be born. He was born in March uh, 2006. Pretty typical labor birth. He was just kind of having some feeding problems, but we were just thinking we couldn't figure out, like, the formula, and he kept spitting up and spitting up, and 
So I just kind of thought it was a little weird, but obviously I'm 17. I have no clue what's happening. I'm just trusting that people know mm-hmm. and will tell me. Mm-hmm. And so it came time for us to leave. It was like the next day or a couple of days. And um, they took Luke to do the last minute checkups and stuff. And then they just didn't come back. It was like two hours. And I was like, where is my baby? Like they said they'd be back in like 30 minutes. And so this woman walks in and she's like, we just need to speak with the parents. Luke had a bloody diaper. We need to get him to children's. Ugh. And so we... We got to Children's Hospital on Tuesday. So he was born on a Monday. This was Tuesday. He had surgery that day because he had malrotation. It's um, like when your intestines are just all twisted around each other. So they're supposed to go like in an S shape. And his were just twisted and cutting off blood supply to different areas and so they were dying like his intestines were dying and so he had another surgery that day to correct that um this was like 50 50 like we don't know what's going to happen by thursday he had another surgery and then that monday we'll see what his quality of life will be like it was just very up in the air this whole week i mean i'm trying to heal from having a baby (laughs) oh my it was just a really tough time but at the time at children's they had just a few rooms where parents could stay and those Mm. were high demand you never could get those and there was a room available for us that we could Mm. stay at It was $25 a night, so we had people donating money to us and bringing food and supporting us. So, of course, at this time, we're all praying, and I didn't have a personal relationship with the Lord, but like some of us do during traumatic situations, we pray. That's Mm -hmm. all we know what to do, Mm -hmm. and I'll never forget just hearing the Lord tell me He's in my hands, and I just felt so calm. After that, I was like, it's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, this whole time, I'm crying every time I see Him, and came time, the surgeon came out, and He'll have a normal life. Yeah, so it was incredible, and that moment is like my anchor hmm. to the rest of this story for yeah. sure but that was definitely the first big moment I saw hmm. God show up and so at that point you guys are still 17 you've got a brand new baby and you bounced back and forth between yeah. your house and his yes. parents because yeah. I guess they both still felt like they were parenting you and yeah. didn't really want to let go of that you guys were still young and mm-hmm. now you have a baby And so I can only imagine, like you said earlier, that tension of being pulled from house to house. So how long did that last? And did you guys eventually get your own place and and become an actual like family of your own? What did that look like? Yeah, that was definitely a difficult time. Um, But I, as our parents were wanting to parent us, I don't think either of us wanted to leave our parents, Mm. you know? So there's definitely that like tension between us. I was like, well, I don't want to live at your house and I don't want to live at your house. And, you know, I want to be with my family. And so that was kind of like our compromise between all of us is like, we'll just go stay here for a few days and there for a few days, which really isn't a good stable way of living. Mm -hmm. Um, That definitely created a lot of tension between Jacob and I. We were constantly fighting. We knew that we wanted to still be a family um, we were still going to make this work. We were, um, we still had that fighter spirit, mm-hmm. you know, that naive fighter spirit. <laughs> and when we finally turned 18, we decided to get married. So this was a couple months after I turned 18 and was just also met with some disapproval mm-hmm. um, because obviously in marriage, we knew nothing, you know, we didn't know marriage was sacrificial, that it took work and we just thought, okay, this will help solve some of our problems. Yeah. Like, if we get married, it changes things, right? Like, yeah. you're supposed to, like, it's supposed to look this way. And, mm. yeah, we found out very quickly that's just not how it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did not make anything easier. And it's weird being married and living back and forth at your parents' house. <laughs> I can <laughs> so, only imagine. Yeah. Only but, imagine. Yeah. But, you know, you guys were in love. You had a baby together. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can totally see how that would just be the, the next natural step. Right. You know, and honestly, I think for some parents, even that's sometimes the pressure of, 
well, there's a pregnancy, there's a baby, get married. So right. I do think sometimes that's also the message that's sent. And right. for for different people, it's the right thing. And for yeah. others, it's not. Obviously, you guys are still together. So yeah. spoiler alert, there's a happy spoiler. ending yeah. to this. But <laughs> yes. the happy ending came with a lot a of, lot of it heartache. Was, it was sure. hard fought. So yeah. You guys marry, you get your own apartment, and you're living a very grown-up life as yes. to 18-year-olds. Yeah, um, naive 18-year-olds. Yeah. Um, having a baby at 17 doesn't just automatically mature you yeah. into an adult. And in a lot of ways, it really held me back in maturing because I became extremely dependent. Mm. So like you said, Jacob and I ended up getting our own place because, again, we were thinking, this will solve all of our problems, and we just need to get away from our families and be a family. Yeah. Definitely still had that attitude too. Like we will make this work. Mm. And that just turned sour so quickly. Mm. Moving in together at that time was like the worst decision. And we just were trying to grow up and figure out ourselves. And that was just clashing into two people that like had no idea who they were, what they believed in, our morals, values, anything, Mm. and trying to raise a baby and pay for this apartment. And it led us to actually split up. I think we got that place like in January. And yeah, we were out of there, or he was out of there by like March, April. Oh, wow. Pretty much just texted him like, get your stuff and leave. And he really did. And I came back, I was just like, oh my gosh, like he's gone. I pretty much thought it was just going to be over. Honestly, I was just mad too, because I was like, we weren't supposed to like prove everyone right that we weren't going to work through that time I mean we were still kind of off and on we were still seeing each other every so often and still yeah just up and down up and down and you were working and raising Luke or were you in school I was in school I was in hair school at the time okay and so I was going to start in a salon that summer and surprise I found out I was pregnant I just totally freaked out by the time I realized I was pregnant Jacob and I were just stone cold to each other I mean it was over I thought he was talking to a lawyer so I had found a lawyer Mm -hmm. um my parents helped me with that. Yeah, it was just so scary and I had no idea what to do. My immediate thought was like, my parents are going to absolutely kill me. They're helping support me. I still had the apartment for a little while. It was just, my only thought was, okay, they they wanted me to have an abortion with Luke. That's the only way they're going to support me in this. This is my only option just out of like sheer panic. I'm like, this is how I'm going to present it to my mom. I know like she'll support me. She'll figure this out. We'll be fine. And I'm not exactly sure when it happened, but I just... Once I made the appointment, you know, I told her and she supported my decision. And, you know, a few days before, I was just like, I can't do this. Mm. I don't want to do this. Like, what am I doing? Um, just really started to get cold feet that I just, like, couldn't go through with it. I just remember crying in the bathroom at my mom's house and her and I kind of got into an argument about it. And I just kept thinking, like, I don't have any other option. That was just, like, my 19-year-old point of view. And her point of view is different. And we've talked about it and worked that out. And she was just wanting to support me. And I just wanted her to tell me, like, I didn't have to. Hmm. And so it was just kind of like our perspectives were just so different. Anyway, went through with it. That, yeah, just anchored me into darkness for a really, really long time. And I just knew that, okay, if I'm going to be able to go through my life, I just have to not ever talk about it. Just Mm. shove it away and go about my life. But nothing Mm. is ever that easy. (laughs) And it's what you think you know, is going to protect you. It just, you put something in darkness and it just grows and it Mm. grows and... And at this point, you and Jacob are completely not talking. So did you share this with him or did he know anything about this other baby? Um, I didn't share that with him right away. Um, I mean, obviously we ended up reconciling around our first anniversary. So August of 2007. And it wasn't until a couple years later until I finally told him. And he was just incredible about it. I was just bawling tears. I was like, I'm so sorry. And I just... I knew that I was going to have to tell him at some point, but I was just so scared he was going to leave me. Mm. You know, we had tried to like 
rebuild and rebuild and rebuild. But he was just so incredible and I love you and I forgive you. And mm. So that's incredible that you were able to tell him such a huge thing and you found forgiveness in him. To me, that shows some maturity and that shows that you guys were in a better place maybe than you've been earlier in your marriage. And <laughs> um, would you say that, that that season you were back together, you were able to share that struggle with him so you weren't walking in it alone. You guys were rebuilding. It sounds like you were rebuilding a marriage and starting to build a family. Would you say... Yeah. That's kind of what that season was characterized by? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we had a couple of kids Mm. and working on trying to build something real. Jacob got a job working for the railroad, Mm -hmm. which was a huge blessing to us at the time. I just found out I was pregnant with Molly. Had, like, no money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, we were just still trying to figure it out. This job was, like, a real job. Like, he Mm -hmm. was going to make real money and we'd have benefits but this job would take him out of town or out of state for eight days you know eight days and home seven days I mean honestly I was just like whatever you know whatever can like make this work and so we were just both really excited we just thought okay something big is happening with our family like a shift is gonna happen Mm. like we've worked so hard and here's the reward and it was anything but it really changed us. So what we thought would be the biggest blessing ended up feeling like the biggest curse. Mm. Um, So with his job keeping him away and I was a stay-at-home mom at this time, Mm. I just felt so alone. It's through, you know, the course of my life, I just felt like I would push people away. And just because of like the abortion and different things, like I just did not want anyone to really know me. I would get closer to people, drift away. And, Mm. you know, Jacob had his life on the railroad and we were just, I mean, before I knew it, we were living two completely different lives. Um, And that was extremely difficult and you can't sustain that way of living for long. No amount of money or benefits or any of those, quote, blessings can make up for that. Yeah. You know, so he'd be gone, you'd be home, and I know what it's like to be a mom. The days are long and they're hard, so you're doing it by yourself. He comes home for the seven and you're trying to To be family. Family life, yeah. It's like shoving, you know, a family life into seven days. It's almost impossible. And then Jacob had revealed to me a couple years into his job that he had been watching pornography. And I had caught him several years earlier, saw it on the computer and confronted him about it. I just trusted that that was it. I never mm-hmm. checked his phone or anything like that. When he told me that, I was just devastated. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely just rocked me to my core and I wasn't sure why I felt so differently. My eyes were open to like what that actually was Mm. and he was not very responsive to that. I mean, it Mm. was just kind of like, okay, you're the one who has a problem. Like this is normal. You can kind of see the tone change. Like he just started just becoming this way different person. It was just kind of like, you're the one with a problem. Like I told you, get over it, move on. And that really affected me. That point in time affected me for at least two years. I just became more and more isolated and I didn't want to tell anyone about it. He was just going to like a darker and darker place and I could not get over this. Just, you know, living our own lives and I was just like, I cannot get over this and I just need you to like tell me you're sorry or something. Mm-hmm. And he finally told me, he's like, he said, I'm addicted to pornography. I have an addiction. And I was just mm-hmm. like rocked. Kind of like the, the story of our life just like flashed before my eyes. I'm like, all of this all that we've gone through, all of this, you know, I'm just going back to like day one till then. And it had been going on your entire The entire marriage. Yeah. And that was just kind of like that part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And then we were going to go to bed and I was like, I'm just going to take a quick shower. No big deal. And I just cried, Mm -hmm. just cried and cried. I was like, my whole marriage has been a lie. Mm -hmm. I've been married to an addict and I didn't know. I'm like, how did I not know? Mm -hmm. I was like, I should have been checking his phone. I could have stopped this. And Yeah, it was just a really low, low, low point. 
and just kind of like the couple months following it was kind of like the same tone of like okay something is wrong with you Elizabeth like mm. you're you know it, he would just blame anyone else because you know we want to deflect whenever mm. we hurt someone's just like okay well your parents didn't prepare you for life and how you should handle these things like you're just too immature you're too sensitive mm. or like this is, I'm a guy, like, whatever, you know, and, and, you know, neither of you were believers, right? Right, yeah. And, and so to him, this is a normal guy thing, you yeah. do this, like, probably every man that he knew, or most of the men yeah. that he knew, probably oh. yeah. viewed pornography, mm-hmm. and it started at such a young age, and yeah. so, you know, on this side of it, that's hard to understand why anybody would be making all those excuses, because we know that it's sin, and it's right. wrong, and it's devastating, but... Mm-hmm. When you're in that place and you don't have the moral compass of the Holy Spirit, that's how that's where his mind was going. So for him, it was almost like, I'm going to share this with my wife to get it off my chest and to tell her because she's my wife. But yeah. at the same time, it doesn't sound like there was a lot of repentance behind it. It was just, yeah. this is information you need mm-hmm. to know. That's why I need to get over it. And like you said, it started, I mean, as a teenager for him. Yeah. So, I mean, that had been a part of his life forever. And it was just a very normal thing. And like I said, when you don't know the Lord, I mean, and the people you surround yourself with, that's who you become. Mm-hmm. And those were the type of men that he w- he surrounded himself mm-hmm. with. And so that was like a normal part of his life. I mean, he spent so much time at work. Mm-hmm. That's who he was. He was work Jacob. Right. And then he had home Jacob. And then finally, work Jacob just took over everything. Mm-hmm. And he could just never turn it off and never turned off the ego. And yeah. So how did you cope and how did you deal with that next blow to the marriage and to right. you? Not well. I did not <laughs> deal with that well. I, yeah, I just had so much anxiety. I was dealing with depression. Um, I was alone. I didn't want to tell my family. I didn't want to tell. I had no friends to tell. I mean, I'd gotten to the point of isolation where I didn't have any friends. And so I just didn't want anyone judging him. I still had that sense of perfect protection. Just shoved it away. You know, mm-hmm. like that's how he wants to be. Like I'm going to have my own life. Mm-hmm. So step number one, in my mind, I was like, I need friends. Mm-hmm. I just need to have a friend, which led me down definitely a really rocky path. And I got it myself into a relationship with someone else. Brief, started fast, ended fast. But while we didn't sleep together, it was definitely just very inappropriate. And what I was seeking was friendship at first, mm-hmm. and then it turned into something completely different. And did you break that off on your own, knowing that it was wrong? Jacob and I were going to go on a trip together to Broken Bow because we were going to just try to like work on our marriage and... It was shortly before that I just kind of let this guy know, like, I'm going to work things out with my husband. Like, I don't know kind of like how we got here, but Mm -hmm. it was just insane. I'm like, did I just, you know what I mean? Like, it all happened so quickly and just kind of like when the whole thing was cut off, I was like, what have I done? Mm -hmm. What have I done? Um, I just couldn't believe, like, I was that person. I didn't really understand cheating Mm -hmm. to be honest Mm -hmm. I was like I would never dream that I would be the person to say this is what I've done shove that down Mm -hmm. um I was like I'm never telling Jacob Mm -hmm. I will never tell him it's just something I will live with I'm working on my marriage now so we went on the trip and through the summer um we were kind of like you know up and down a little bit getting on the better end Mm -hmm. um and we were coming up on our 10-year anniversary and yeah I would say from the outside looking Mm -hmm. in you would think we were happy Um, We took our 10-year pictures, and they were so wonderful, and I was so excited. And then two weeks later, I mean, everything completely changed, dramatically changed. Jacob was feeling suspicious about something. He's like, I just feel like something has gone on. I mean, this has been, like, months since I broke this off with this person, and Mm. and so I'm thinking, I'm in the clear, like, we don't have to talk about it, we're moving on, we're getting better, and he's like, I just, I mean, he kept pressing and pressing and pressing, and so finally I just put it out there. He was like, oh, so you cheated on me. You know, I wasn't sure, like, what to say. I was just like, I'm so sorry. Like, will you come home? And 
Um, so he came home with the intentions to leave. I was able to kind of get some of my feelings out about his pornography and just kind of like what that had done, but I was like still so broken over what I had done and I was so sorry about that. And um, so it kind of, again, looked like we were going to reconcile. Mm -hmm. So a couple days later, he had had this really weird dream. As he had dreams before, I had even told him Hmm. um, of specific situations that had happened. Like I had a dream that this happened and I was like, you know, my eyes were like probably popped out of my head. I was like, okay, that actually did happen. I was like, oh, it's just a dream. Like, you know, let it go. And, and they were all pertaining to this man, to this this inappropriate relationship. Yeah. And specific situations that had happened. So he was like, okay, like one more thing. Did this happen? Like I had a dream that you did this. And I was like, at first I lied and said no. Hmm. And then I ended up saying, yeah, okay. Like this happened. I'm so sorry. And he's like, okay, Elizabeth, I'm done. Like, I have nothing more to give here. I'm completely done. Mm. And it was devastating. I mean, our kids were home, just fell apart. Mm. And um, so, of course, God being God, (laughs) kind of throws himself again into the story. And Jacob was going to meet with my oldest sister, Ashley, who had been praying for us for years and years. And um, I was reaching out to different people and had been wanting to get connected with Jacob and just kind of see, like, where he was at and... um, so yeah, they ended up having lunch, which is crazy that like, it just still baffles me that like, they still like, he still went through with it. And I guess he sat down with her at the table mm. and was like, you know, she could tell he was visibly shaken and like mm. something was going on. She's like, okay, like what's going on? And he was like, I'm going to leave your sister. And she was like, what? Like, you know, like I said, from the outside looking in, we looked like things were going well. Um, and so they had talked for a while and he just laid it all out, like all the issues. Yeah, all and the Ashley issues. didn't know most of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't told anyone else about my abortion. I mean, this is ten years later. Right. You know, I had told no one else, and um, so she had texted me and said, "I'm outside. If you want to talk, um, I'm just gonna sit out here until you need me, and I love you." And and you know, pause to say that yeah. Ashley knows Jesus and had been praying for you guys. And I mean, a cool, a cool little connection here. And then I'll let you get back to your story. But you mentioned you have two sisters, Katie and Ashley, and probably eight ish years ago, Katie and her husband, Matt, were in a small group at our house and with some other young couples. And I remember uh, several different evenings when we were talking about things that we could pray for each other about that Katie mentioned, you know, please pray for my sister She's, I honestly think it was closer to when, um, you were pregnant and Luke was being born. And cause I, mm-hmm. I really remember her saying, you know, she, um, was pregnant as a teenager and she's just trying to make it. And you now I remember our group praying for you all those years ago. And then two years ago, Ashley and her husband Garrett were in a marriage group that, that my husband and I teach and same thing. And this was actually right when all of this really hard stuff was going on. Mm -hmm. And Ashley brought it to our group again and said, would you guys please pray for my sister? Um, her and her husband are hanging on by a thread. And I, at that moment I remembered, I said, wait a minute, we've prayed for her, you know, years (laughs) ago because Katie mentioned it. And so, um, I do love that we see God's handprints all over your story, even Mm -hmm. before, you actually gave your heart to him, which is coming. And it's a very dramatic part of your story. But, (laughs) you know, from the time that he spoke to your heart in the hospital to say, Luke's going to be fine to giving Jacob dreams. Yeah. I mean, he was working in y'all's lives before you guys actually knew him and had accepted him. He was drawing you and pulling you 
and you know keep, when we're running away. Yeah. <laughs> he says, no. And yeah, keeping it's just this together. Insane. Yeah. So I have to say that because yeah. here's Ashley, this key player in the whole story, <laughs> happens to have lunch with yeah. Luke, I mean, with Jacob on yeah. this one day that he's about to leave his family. Yeah. And because he's such a nice guy and he didn't want to let her down, he's like, I better go ahead and go. So he yeah. gets to the restaurant. He literally Always sits down and says, there. I'm about to leave Elizabeth. Yeah. And, and yeah, he just lays it out there for her and, um, I guess I should back up to the biggest part of all this is whenever he left and took the kids and I just gave my life to the Lord right then and there. I just knew I was just, you know, whatever happens if Jacob's in my life or if he's not in my life, like I have to figure this out and I have to give my life to the Lord because there's just no other way. Mm. Um, and so that was just like the decision I made right mm. there alone in my house and so, and then, you know, shortly after, Ashley's texting me. It's like, I love you so much. Like, you know, I'm out here. If you need me, I'll sit out here for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And so I text her. I was like, okay, go ahead and come in. You know, of course, she, like, hugs me. And we're crying. Mm-hmm. And she's like, okay, Jacob told me everything. And she's like, how did you not tell me about, you know, like, all these things that have been happening in your life? And mm-hmm. I was like, I just, that's not something I ever wanted to talk about. You know, I just shoved it away and shoved it away. And so she, yeah, I just definitely believe the Lord's been using my sisters and then definitely Ashley just, you know, it's just such an integral part of my life and just helping bring us to the Lord and holding our marriage together. Cause mm-hmm. I believe like if they hadn't had lunch that day, that this story would be not a happy story Absolutely. for sure. So he leaves lunch and where did he go? Yeah. So at this time I'm talking with Ashley, he goes to the cemetery in Yukon where his grandparents are buried and, you know, he's just out there you know, mentally just in turmoil, just trying to figure out like, okay, what do I do? And so he's out there as parents' grave sites or grandparents' grave sites. And, you know, I was just kind of like praying like, God, just give me a sign. Like, I don't know what to do. And he says, you know, I look up and I see two butterflies come Mm. by. And he said, it was just like such like a peace, like within him and just something changed was like, okay, I'm going to stay. I'm going to make this work. And he gave his life to the Lord right there as well. (laughs) And so it's just so insane. Like this dramatic turn of events like we're done and then the lord's like no you're not (laughs) i'm gonna show up now and i'm gonna take over because y'all are crazy and you don't know what you're doing but i got this like Mm. it's just insane like this is all in his hands and it's just so amazing yeah i mean only god can write a story like that you know like i I don't know a picture uh, you know scripture says that angels in heaven rejoice when one Mm -hmm. soul turns to Christ and I can only imagine the scene and they're all watching it (laughs) unfold and it's like God orchestrated this whole story you guys are in separate places Mm -hmm. both giving your lives to him at the same time and just knowing what's to come what this means the magnitude of two lives committed to Christ and now a marriage that's not going to end and it was literally yeah it was minutes from ending It has a new, you know, this marriage has a new birth now. Yeah. The whole, everything. 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 <laughs> everything. I mean, a, yeah, a rebirth is definitely the way to put it. I mean, everything, our marriage, the way we parented, I mean, just the way we saw the world was completely different. And it definitely didn't make it easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, this was in September, and I mean, we went through those few months just trying to figure it out. I mean, even sometimes going back and forth and it was just almost just as hard to be together as it would be to be apart. Mm. Um, and so, but it's just like, we never stopped clinging to our faith and kind of walking, like seeking out community and just trying to get plugged into the church. And so that brought us to, 
kind of a wild month of um, January 2017. I mean, we had been kind of riding the wave of just like being new believers and seeking out different counsel and mentors mm-hmm. and Carrick. <laughs> and January 2017, we just kind of got to this point of, okay, like we knew things needed to change. We knew he needed to get away from his job because he was still working at the railroad. So it was really difficult to heal so much hurt. Yeah. A week at a time. Yeah. You know, you just can't do that. A week that. on, a week off. Yeah. And, and so for him being back in that environment that had been so dark. Dark. Yeah. You know. And just like learning to trust me and learn to trust each other. And it was still very fragile. But the confessions were not over. Jacob confessed to me that he had a similar situation to my relationship with someone else mm-hmm. around the time I was pregnant with Molly. And so that was just like another bombshell. And then shortly after that, we decided we're going to make a business together. And so the Lord again is faithful and really just orchestrated this opportunity. He was furloughed, so he was still employed, but didn't technically have a position. Mm -hmm. And he could have chased the job. That's something that was an option, but we prayed for this to happen. And Mm -hmm. so if we're bold enough to pray for it, we got to be bold enough to walk through the door. And so we just sat with each other at the table and I was like, should we do this? Like, Mm -hmm. are you just not going to go back to work? And so, I mean, after all of this craziness, all the confession, like all the darkness, our business was born. We birthed a business. <laughs> so we like to do things in a crazy way. Um, but so honestly, yeah. it just makes sense. You you kind of had a clean slate. And you, yeah. like you said a minute ago, you were now new believers. And so you're parenting different. Your marriage yeah. looks different. So why not just go the extra <laughs> and not? have a new job? <laughs> Throw too, on and, something else. You know, like another huge did, life change. Exactly. You know, and so like... We spent a lot of that year just really healing from everything that had come out, um, really trying to make something of our business, which is design and remodeling. And, and it was funny, you know, I was trying to come up with a name for our business. I'm like, kind of was back and forth and I was like, restored. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, that is just everything that the Lord's done in our lives was restoration. I mean, it just has it all over the place. So we went with that and we spent the year really just trying to build our business, repair Mm -hmm. our marriage. And that was the hardest year of our lives. All of them were pretty hard, but that one, it may take the cake because when you're really trying to heal from something, make a business, we work together. It was just everything was entangled into our marriage. And when you're trying to heal something and grow something, it's really, really difficult. Yeah. We just really made it through, trusted the Lord and he kept providing jobs for us. And you know, we didn't have a lot of money saved up. So there was a financial strap. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have a lot of business experience at yeah. all. We knew we loved the work and we wanted to do things differently and create relationships and sh- show and tell the gospel through our business, which mm-hmm. we've been able to do. And it's also, we had the other piece of our marriage that really needed to heal. And so it definitely was difficult, but yeah, it's been a wonderful ride for sure. But on this side, watching you guys, I mean, you have both really just stayed the course and dug in hard and deep when you had to and done that real work of repair. And you've both, I think one of the biggest things is you've both worked on yourselves as as well as your marriage. And, you know, it's really easy to just keep blaming the other person. And marriage is hard no matter what. Mm -hmm. And then you're talking about financial stress and emotional recovery (laughs) work (laughs) and trust recovery work. And Mm -hmm. so you're adding these really big things to just the regular day in and day out of Mm -hmm. just living with with each other and and raising three kids (laughs) and, you know, just all of the things that come along with that. And, and you guys, I'm so incredibly proud of both of you. you. 
Yes, because both of you didn't give up. I mean, there were times that you would meet with me by yourself, Jacob would meet with Garrick, and then we mm-hmm. met with the two of you, and yeah. you just continued to reach out and to say, okay, we've hit this roadblock. Like, what do we do at this point? Yes. And then, yeah. okay, we were feeling good here, but now over here our communication mm-hmm. is lacking, yeah. or, you know, how do we learn to trust one another again? And you, yeah. you just tackled specific things, yeah. and I loved that. I loved watching and still love watching how when the Lord restored you guys and yeah. he began remodeling your life, your <laughs> yeah. whole life. I'm like, isn't that weird how even that is? <laughs> it all amazing. ties together. I'm like, the it's, Lord's so funny. Only I God feel, could yeah, write a story seriously. like this. Seriously, <laughs> yeah. only God could write a story yeah, like this. But I will ask you, just share with our listeners, because this is, I mean, your story is one of those that I feel like is just, it's incredibly powerful because it it contains so many elements that even just one of, one of the elements by itself is devastating and huge. And yet you guys have had so many different hits, but you've come out on this side restored, like we yeah, keep saying. Yeah. And but it's because you've done the hard work. And so I would yeah. love for you to share just a little bit with our listeners about first of all what was helpful for you guys during this rebuilding time. And then maybe also offer some words of hope to somebody who's in the place you were. And um, what would you say to that person too? First and foremost, um you need to have a relationship with Jesus. I mean that's just top number one and it has to be both of you Mm. like I mean yeah I mean you can encourage your spouse but I definitely think that is a helpful place to start absolutely um but also just finding your community seek out mentors seek out anyone that can help you in marriage and tell you what to do and that you can ask questions and kind of like I mean really be willing to dig in because it's definitely not just like an uphill I mean where you go on and you're like, oh, things are going good. I mean, it's definitely a bumpy, rocky road. Um, things can be going well for a while, and then you kind of get stuck up on things, and you need to have those people in your life that can say, like, this is normal, like, we'll walk through this with you, and really will. Yeah. Um, that has been just extremely helpful for us. And just leaning into the Lord, learning what Scripture says, what what's the purpose of marriage? Why mm. is it important? What are our roles? And just falling into, like, the Lord's design is huge and it's important and whenever you have that things tend to go a little bit smoother Mm. and then you can use your community and your friends and your church and all those different resources like when you get those little stumbling blocks you're like okay like Mm. we can work through this someone's been through it and we can talk about it so Mm. that's definitely helped us so this kind of goes without saying but i i will say it anyway (laughs) basically what you're saying leaning into your community seeking out people to help you is the complete opposite of what you did for so many years. The absolute opposite. The opposite of stuffing and living in darkness and Mm -hmm. living in secrecy. You just can't sustain that. And I'm just a natural isolator. It's just something I still struggle with. Even when I'm feeling down, like it can be hard for me to want to meet and talk about it, but I'm always happy that I did. Mm. It's always benefited me and just made me see things in a new way. Um, Even seeking out counseling has walked me through some of the most dark times and just realized like, Everything can be turned for good. Give It gave me the tools to mm. learn how to like function through these things and, you know, seek out counseling if you can. If you don't have the friends and community, seek out a counselor. Mm. Um, that's where I started. I didn't yeah. have this at first. Um, well, I didn't some, have anyone to talk to, really. I mean, and some issues are deeper and need a counselor in exactly. addition to a good friend yes. to talk yeah, to you. you for know? sure. And I think some of those places that are so hard and painful, it feels intimidating to go there because you don't want to relive the, the pain. Mm-hmm. But what you find on the other side is when you bring that darkness to the light, you find freedom and you find hope and that weight off your shoulders. And it feels like a literal weight. Mm. Um, It's just, yeah, it's really interesting. It's the opposite of what 
of the narrative I was telling myself. I'm like, if I bring this to the light, it's going to bring more darkness and shame on me. Mm. But it's only given me freedom. It's given me a voice to share my story and hopefully reach someone else who wants, you know, to know that someone else out there has this story yeah. and you're not alone. That could reach out to me or just kind of give that push of like, okay, I'm not going to live like this anymore. Mm. I'm going to reach out to someone. This is your push. This is your sign. If you've been thinking about it, just reach out to that friend or give that counselor a call. So to the woman who is struggling maybe even today she finds herself in this this interview is resonating because she has had an abortion in the past and she's Mm -hmm. done what you've done she feels shame and she feels um so much guilt over it you've probably already kind of given words to her but specifically to that woman like what would you say to her right um I would say you are forgiven Mm -hmm. forgiveness is the hardest piece of all of it Um, Because it's a different kind of grief. It's just very unique in that way. But I mean, that was something I was seeking for so long. I just kept praying over and over and over for God to forgive me. And all Mm. I had to do was ask that one time. Mm. And so like that forgiveness you are seeking, you're worthy of, you can have it. And you just have to work on having that within yourself. That's not going to take your grief away. Mm. I mean, it is a lifelong thing and there is going to be longing there, but you can, you are deserving of a happy life. You are deserving of the children you have or will have. Mm. Um, You're deserving of a great life. And that is something that can be hard to come to terms with when you have made the decision to have an abortion you just don't feel worthy of any happiness any happiness Mm -hmm. you have is linked to sadness and darkness and that you can break that chain and you can have that Mm -hmm. um like i said there's natural consequences for our sin you're gonna feel sadness and longing but you can have so much freedom too it's Mm -hmm. there so good i can I can only imagine the hope that that is going to give to somebody. And I know you've mentioned that you would love for women to reach out to you. If you, if they're, you know, listeners, if you're listening and you, you don't know anyone in your life who's been through an abortion or been through that trauma, we'll put a link to her Instagram and you can reach out and direct message her. Mm -hmm. Cause I know that she would love to meet with you, talk to you. Um, what about that wife who's in the place that you were with Jacob husband comes to her and says, I've been viewing porn or have a full-blown addiction. Right. Um, what would you say to that woman? What was helpful for you? I know walking it with you, it was a long journey. It wasn't yeah. a one time getting Gosh. over it. So what, what would you offer to that woman? Yeah. And I think it, like you said, it's not a one time getting over it. Um, you just need to realize that like it will be a long and difficult road. But I think the thing you need to know is that it's not you. Hmm. It's not, it's not even about you. You know, and that's kind of something that Jacob had said to me, like, Elizabeth, this is not about you. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm like, it's not because you're not pretty enough. It's not because your body doesn't look a certain way. It's not because you weren't performing or was it? And it has nothing to do with anything negative about you. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I didn't understand. I was like, okay, like, if you're doing this, then there must be something wrong with me. Yeah. But, I mean, it's his sin and his sin alone. And really, it's his sin to God alone. Right. Um, that's something I had to take myself out of. And, yeah, it affected me deeply and it affects you deeply. But it's his sin against God. Through the journey, I also saw my husband was broken. Hmm. Um, there's something going on within your husband that escaping a reality, he was alone. He was in his own darkness. He was shoving away his feelings. He was having his bitterness towards the world and all these different things. Like he was hurting and that broke my heart too. Mm. It's like once I could kind of come on the other side and see outside of my own hurt to realize that my husband was hurting and that Mm. if you can get to that place to like help him find 
other accountability partners and just be his helpmate and, you know, and just don't always focus on your own hurt. And it's hard. It's very hard. You're, you're beautiful and it's not about you. Any last thoughts specifically about how we as the church can respond, whether you want to speak specifically to the women sitting in our congregations that are grieving the loss of a baby, whether it's the couples sitting out there together who are in a rough place in their marriage. Um, I know it's our greatest desire as the church to, to be there for people and to, and some Sometimes I don't know if we know how uh, or if we know how to to approach these difficult topics. And so I would love to hear from you if there were things that were helpful for you, if there are things that you you wish and hope that we will do better in the future, or just what words would you give? Um, I would just say it starts with how we speak about it. Hmm. It's how we speak about um, abortion, infidelity, anything. It's how we speak about these things on our social media, Mm. in our personal conversations. You know, definitely, like, when I was kind of walking through a time of just being like, I just want forgiveness. I want to know, like, this will be okay. And, you know, I'd be on Facebook, and I would see Christian brothers and sisters, and just what really felt to me, with my perspective, that was very hateful, almost. Mm. And it's just we need to learn how to speak on topics of, like, specifically abortion, where we can speak powerful truth, but with gentleness and respect, and how Mm. not to, like, inadvertently shame women who have been there, and just be open and non-judgmental. And it is hard, but just to let these women know, like, you are seen and heard and loved, and we'll walk through this with you. You can be redeemed from this decision, and help take that shame away just starts with how we speak about it. I like that. And and just an encouragement to tackle those tough topics. You know, I mean, in our work with married couples, we, we just continue to hear time and again, how many couples are struggling with the pornography issue. And I think a lot of times as leaders, we're nervous to to go there or we don't Mm -hmm. even know what to say. But we've found that just by starting that conversation and and being a listening ear and offering accountability and just offering truth, they're not um, put off by it. They're actually grateful that somebody in their life and in their church would be brave enough to go there. Yeah. I know this is one of the first times you've ever shared this entire story. So thank you so much for your honesty. We really do appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I think your platform is just an amazing place to share our stories and have our stories heard and resonate with other women and that need a place to hear it. Mm. And so, yeah, thank you again for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Well, as we close, I want to share two verses that were just ringing in my ears as we talked. And then my, my ending question to you, so you can start thinking about it now, is going to be, what's making your life beautiful today? So as you're thinking about that, I do want to share Second Corinthians 5.17. It's always been a favorite. If any man or woman is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And if that's not your story, I don't know what <laughs> it is. don't know. <laughs> and then uh, if you've listened to the podcast much, you know that Revelation 12, 11 is one of the, the verses that was on my heart to even start this because it talks about the power of our story. And I've actually shared this verse with you multiple yeah. times. In Revelation 12, 11, it says that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, which is our story. And yeah. so as you share your story, it's no longer in secret. It's no longer in darkness. You don't have to be ashamed of it. You know, the enemy has all the power when you keep that secret, but as you yeah. begin to tell it and share it, you are giving the power and the glory to God yeah. to use this story. And no one can argue because it's your story yeah, and exactly. you, it's all yeah. truth and mm-hmm. it's your truth to share. And yeah. so I'm so proud of you. Oh, thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> so tell us what's making your life beautiful right now. Oh gosh, 
a lot of things, actually. <laughs> um, the sunshine minus the wind. Yeah, um, for sure. But yeah, this morning, I would say it was just a really quiet morning. Mm. The kids stayed the night at Mimi's. Jacob went off to work, and I was anticipating our conversation. I just felt, I don't know, just a lot of joy this morning knowing mm. that hopefully I can impact one person with mm. the story. I have no doubt that this story is going to resonate and encourage women. And listeners, thank you for joining us here in this space. And Elizabeth and I hope that you will go out today and live your one uniquely beautiful story. Thank you for listening to Uniquely Beautiful Stories with Heather McIneer. Share this podcast with a friend and subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now go live your own story. 